Man, I'm thankful uh, for our overseas overseers and our overseas team, but I'm thankful for our elders and overseers. Uh, we are blessed. Uh, and, and a lot of what you are experiencing this morning is the result of having a strong, healthy covering. And, and you step into a place that feels like heaven. You step into a place that feels like hope. It's not by chance. It, it's because there are men and women that are worthy of honor, that are laying their lives down and praying for you and setting culture and tone by living their lives in such a way that it reflects heaven. And, and look, here's, let me just kind of let you in on a little bit about me. Uh, I don't like financial updates, just personally, okay? Like, I, my, my team knows this. Like, Chris Otts is my official no man because in my mind, we can do everything, right? And, and money will just happen. Like, we'll be okay. You know, so I'm like, hey, I got an idea. Let's run a carnival. Let's build something in the back. Chris is like, yeah, great idea. That's not going to happen, but <laughs> let's pray about it, you know? So um, it, it, that's not my favorite thing, but it's a needed thing. It's a needed thing because we're in this together. It's not just on a few of us to try to understand how we pull off everything that we pull off. We're a family. And, and so it's good that we take moments every once in a while that don't feel very spiritual and we engage in the money side of the heart of God. How many of you know that God's into money? Right? Like he, he's not freaked out about it. He's not nervous about it. And so we can lean in and hear like what's been happening and, and, and how we can support and love one another. And that's not weird. That's just family. We have a budget meeting in my house so that we don't run out of money. Can I get an amen? Right? And so we're a family. And so we talk about every aspect of what it means to be a family. And, and, and so, again, guys, thank you so much for doing that. And we really, really appreciate uh, all of you, your hard work, and uh, everything that you're doing for us. Hey, again, let me just start off by saying, well, first, Merry freaking Christmas, man. Like, it's so good to say that. Like, I've been saying that to people, and this year saying Merry Christmas just feels better. You know, it's just like, Merry Christmas. You know, like it just, I love, but thank you for being flexible last week. All right. And for all of you who took the time to write our team thank you notes and send us texts and encouragements, like it matters, man. Because I'll be honest with you, this is a little bit like trying to lead and drive a ship with blacked out windows at times. You know, and, and it just, things are changing and shifting so quickly, and, and a lot of stuff that is even out of our hands, no matter how careful we're trying to be. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for being flexible, for leaning in with us. And we had an incredible Sunday last week. Amen? If you tuned in, you got to see our brand new baby-faced North Campus pastor, uh, Mr. Chris, Chris Pletcher, bring a little bit of thunder. How many of you were blessed by his message? Now, what, what he did was he kicked off for us our Advent series. Now, Advent is not just something that we do. Advent is a global church thing. And, and, and so it's a time when churches all over the world stop and think about and ponder and remember what has come to us because Jesus came for us. 
And, and what Chris did an amazing job, and yes, it's a bit of a joke. To be a pastor here, I think your name has to be Chris. So we're aware of that, all right? The, believe it or not, that was actually in the conversation. Do we hire Chris or not? We're like, dang, another Chris. Like, do we really want to do this? But he was too good. We couldn't pass him up. But what Chris began to paint for us is that hope has come. That because Jesus came, hope came. And, and we experience hope and we live in hope when we don't get distracted by the season we're in, but we look at the end of the story that God is telling through our lives. That when we look at the end where we find ourselves becomes less hopeless because at the end of the story is nothing but hope coming. And, and hope has come. It's not we hope that hope comes. Are you hearing me? Hope is here right now in all and through all hope is here. And today we're going to be leaning into the truth that peace has come. How many of you could use a little peace in your life? Yeah, peace has come. It's here right now. The peace of God is not something that we just need to hope to run into in our life. We're not chasing it as if it's a squirrel running around. Peace is available to us in all and through all we're going through in life. Last week, um, or I guess it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Two weeks ago, we went to Houston to celebrate Thanksgiving with my family. Now, that might have been against the law. I don't know. All right, but particularly on this one, I don't care. I want to see my mom, all right? My mom makes great food. And, and, and so, and hi, mom. She's always watching. I love you, mom. But we go to Houston. My mom calls me. She's like, yo, I got this great idea. There's, there's this place called Kima, and they have this thing called the Kima Boardwalk, and we can go down there when you guys get here on Wednesday, and, like, there's, like, a carnival, and the kids can ride rides, and it's going to be great, and everybody's scared, so there's going to be no lines. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, yo, let's do it. Let's go for it. And so we, we get to Houston. We load up. We all go to Kima. It's amazing. And, dude, it is everything that you're thinking in your mind. It's like one of those, like, really fun kind of carnival little mini amusement park things that pop up in parking lots around America. You know what I'm talking about? But, but it, it was like that, but it was permanent. So the rides were only, like, 60% sketchy, not 100% sketchy. You know, and, and so, like, they had the spinny thing that I used to love as a kid, and now I think if I did it, I would probably still be throwing up. You know, like, have you noticed as you get older, it's like you can do less fun things with, you know? And, and so I wanted to ride it, but wisdom, because I'm going to be 40 in a couple of weeks, told me, don't ride that, you know? And so, but they had a roller coaster. How many of you like roller coasters? Dude, I love roller coasters. True confession. I don't think I've been on a roller coaster in a good 10 years, probably. It's been a minute, you know? I mean, I'm old. You know, and you don't, like, my group of friends, we don't, like, sit around and go, like, dude, you want to go to a theme park? You know, that, that, hasn't, that hasn't come up, you know, like. And so, like, I, I was like, dude, we've got to ride this roller coaster, man. Like, this is what, and it, it, looked, it looked fun, but it didn't look scary. 
I'm like, this is perfect, you know, like, does this have a little, I mean, most of the rides at this place were kind of geared towards smaller kids, so I wasn't thinking that this was going to be like one of the greatest experiences of my life, all right? Now, granted, I hadn't ridden a roller coaster in a really, really long time, so my perspective's a little skewed, but when, when we're, you know, and of course, right, because of the vid, COVID, there's no lines, and so we are sitting in the coveted very front of the roller coaster, Right, you know the 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 one that usually has the longest line. We just walk up, man. We're just sitting there. So I put my boys up in the front. You know, I'm like, y'all, this is this is it. Y- y'all, <laughs> your life's about to be changed. You know. And then the girls are sitting behind the boys, and then I'm sitting behind them. Now, first of all, when I got in, I realized I don't think this roller coaster was made for me. <laughs> like it was pretty snug. You know what I mean? Like it was. I, I looked at the seat and I was like, I'm not sure. I'm just going to kind of go for it and see if I can pop in here, but. So I get in, and I'm thinking because my wife had a broken foot, right? It's, it's better now. Thank you for, for praying. Most of you didn't, and that's totally fine. <clears throat> but, her, but her foot it, at the time was broken, and so she didn't go with us to ride the roller coaster. But I heard her voice, and her voice said, if you don't get a picture of this moment, you're going to sleep outside. All right, now Liz is the family photographer, all right? Now, you can ask any of my children, we can't do anything, man. We can't, we can't have breakfast without like, oh, this is cute. Y'all do that again. Wait, hold on. No, 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 stop. Do that again. Take, go change your shirt. No, we need that. I'm like, can we just have breakfast? And so I heard her. I heard her like, yo, look, you better take a picture of this, you joker, and it better be a good one. And so I pull my phone out of my pocket. And I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm going to take a picture of this moment. I tell the kids to turn around, and I get a photo. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm feeling so good. I'm like, I'm going to take it to the next time. I'm going to get a little video of this. And, and so I'm holding my phone, right? And, and the, the, the person who was running the roller coaster was like, sir, you need to put that phone away. Now, internally, I'm like, come on, bro. This little roller coaster? Like, you think I'm going to have to hold on, man? Look at me, bro. I lift weights. <laughs> like, I, you think I'm going to have to hold on right now? Like, is that what you think? Is that the vibe you're picking up on me right now? Is it like, I'm going to need my hands? Like, no, my hands are here, dude. But what he know that I didn't know is that this roller coaster, all, all, I mean, it looked small and mellow, was one of the most violent Things I, I think I've ever ridden in my life. I mean, if the seat wasn't as if it was attached to you, you would probably fly out of this thing. I mean, you're talking about maximizing every bit of physics and geometry that is needed to make this little thing fly. I mean, we were humming, and I am laughing the entire time. I couldn't even, the seat was so tight, I couldn't get my phone in my pocket. Like my phone, I was sitting on my phone, but I'm coming off the seat. And so I'm, like, trying to pull myself down so my phone doesn't shoot out, right? Like, it was absolutely, it was incredible. It, it, but, but I had no idea that, that if I was holding my phone out like this, that there was a good chance there was no way I wanted to be able to hold on to my phone when I'm going through that roller coaster. Now, look, I love roller coasters, but I don't want to live one. I tell you, 2020... He's forced us all on a roller coaster. It, 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 has, it, has, it has given us speeds and directions and turns and twists and dynamics that none of us 
saw coming. When we were standing on the outside of 2020 looking in, we're like, this is going to be a nice little ride. And then we got on it, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this has turned out a little bit different than how I thought it was going to be. Can I tell you that I think some of the problems that we're facing right now is because if we're being really honest, there are aspects of our relationship with God that we have been holding out like this, like my phone. And what 2020 is doing is it's testing our grip. And so if your view of relationship with Jesus is out here, 2020 has probably tested your faith. If your view of peace is out here, 2020 has probably tested your peace. If your view of hope is out here, 2020 is, is testing your ability to experience hope. But our relationship with Jesus was never supposed to be something that's at an arm's length. And I think what I'm thankful for in the midst of the chaos of 2020 is that it has leveled the playing field. It does not matter if you are rich or poor, employed, unemployed, married, single, young or old. You cannot escape the chaos of 2020. You can't even travel to get rid of it. Masks are global. I want to get away. Cool, you get away. The vid is there. You can't even leave where you're going for 14 days. You're going crazier on vacation than you did at your house. Right? You, you, there's nowhere you can go to escape the roller coaster that we're on. But can I tell you that although 2020 has felt chaotic, it didn't have to. Oh, I wish I just had five people. I told the Lord this morning, I'm like, God, if I just get five people that want to hear some preaching, we're going to have a great Sunday. I wish I just had five people that would hear that word. 2020 has felt chaotic, but it didn't have to. It did not have to. And let me tell you, what's coming does not have to either. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Luke 2, verse Eight. Luke 2, verse 8. Verse eight. Now, this is the declaration of the birth of Jesus. And so if you have been in around church at all, you've probably heard this passage around this time of year. If you have gone to see any children at a private school perform a horrible play that, that parents film, you have heard this verse. So when you hear this, the temptation is to go, I've already heard this verse. Let me tell you, you haven't heard this verse. You haven't heard it. Because when Jesus was born on the earth, the declaration from heaven down to earth sounded like this. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 11. The angel says, today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Peace. 
Okay, so Jesus' declaration, his birth announcement, the little card that got sent to everybody in the world when Jesus was born, said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Can we lean into verse 14 a little bit? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angels declared from heaven the glory of God and on earth, peace, you need to understand that the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now, that word is not just a greeting. That word, is, it does not mean don't fight with one another. Shalom is an atmospheric declaration. A better understanding of maybe what the angels were declaring that beautiful night to the shepherds is this. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Shalom does not stop at a peace that means be at peace in yourself or with one another. Shalom is a declaration of how things should be. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Maybe you have found yourself in this verse or a friend has given you this verse when you are in a fight for peace in an anxious moment in your life. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. I just want to say that's a good word. You know, if that's all you hear today from me is that verse, your Monday will be impacted. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. That'll preach. I'm not even preaching about that. But if some people were reasonable here, I think we would have a little bit more peace on earth as it is in heaven. I'm a little fired up. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And look at verse 7. Underline it if you have a Bible. Highlight it if you're using the Bible app. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's going to guard you. The peace of God will Guard you. The angels declared that peace had come. And then here we get admonished by Paul that peace will guard us. I want you to see that when we shrink the idea of peace in our lives down to something that we feel or experience instead of the chaos that we find ourselves in, that, that, that we will miss that the peace that the Bible calls us to, this shalom declaration, is more about how we should see things on earth. Versus how we feel things on earth. Because peace is here. On earth, peace. That's it. On earth, peace. Now, now, look, 
hear me, when, that, when I was said, did that mean that all of a sudden all the strife in the earth stopped? No. All the struggle ceased? No. What it meant is that now when you believe in who Jesus is, that what is causing anxiety in your life doesn't have to. It doesn't mean it's going to go away. It means that you're going to have a different lens, a different perspective on what you're seeing that's making you anxious. And therefore, it's going to change how you see what you're seeing. Because peace came. And peace guards. These are not pieces felt. Again, I wish I just had five people. What heaven is telling us is that when we are living with Jesus, there is a peace that, that is it's going to shape how we see the things that we feel like are chaotic. It's going to shape how we see it. If we look through the lens of shalom, what is happening is not going to define our peace. Our peace is going to defi- be defined by the promise that we have. And, 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 and that promise is that peace has come. Another one of these promises is Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's the prince of it because priest is a dominion, not an emotion. So he rules over it. He's the prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. So in the middle of some things that feel like peace is absent. Like maybe you're going through a divorce or what feels like the beginning of a divorce. That doesn't feel peaceful. Maybe your kids are cussing you out. That doesn't feel peaceful. Maybe you lost your job. You got broken relationships. The holidays don't feel very holly because you got to see your family. Come on, we can be real. Don't be phony Christians up in here. I'm too riled up today. You can, you can be in the middle of things that, that feel void of Peace. And we can walk through those things and be peaceful, not because of, uh, of what we have done, but because of the one who has come. We need to think of peace not just as something that will replace our anxiety, but as a lens that will change how we see what is causing our anxiety. Our anxiety. So, when I put my peace on, you got your own. Look down at your seat. You got your own. I want everybody to put their peace glasses on real quick. Because there is life before the lens of peace and life after the lens of peace. We thought about y'all so hardcore, these don't even have lenses, so you can wear your mask and they're not going to fog up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, look, if you're watching this online, we love you. We're so glad that you are with us and a part of us. 
and, and, but we know that you don't have glasses that you can put on. But don't worry, here at Antioch, we do contactless delivery of all sermon props. And so all you have to do is email us or drop a comment, and one of our team members will get you a pair of your very own peace glasses in the mail as soon as possible. And I am not joking. Somebody test it. Somebody test it. Look, when you put your peace glasses on, when, when your lens of peace gets dropped on your face, it will remind you to stop seeing what is stealing your peace and start reminding you to start seeing the one who gave you peace. Sometimes I think in a chaotic situation, we need to ask to see not asked to feel. I think some of the struggle in 2020 is we're asking to feel something different, and the invitation to us is to see something different. That, that peace has come. Peace is not coming. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is an atmospheric declaration that what I am living in can experience heaven on earth. So you can be in the middle of a storm and experience life. How many of you know that when you hear verses that say that, it, that the peace of God will surpass all understanding, that this is what it's talking about? That you can be in the middle of something that is trying to steal your peace, trying to rob your hope. But because you got your lens of shalom on, everything that's trying to kill you is actually setting you up for breakthrough. Because God made it very, very clear that he will make all things, all things work together for the good of those who love him. We're going to stay in the book of Luke, but we're going to jump over a couple of chapters. I want you to make a few page turns to find yourself in Luke chapter 8 because I want us to see in the Bible the impact of what looking through a lens of peace and faith in a situation looks like versus using the lens of chaos and pain that the world is offering us. And if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 8 verse 51. And it says this, when he, speaking of Jesus, arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Now, let me just give you a little context of what is happening here in Luke 8, verse 51. Before this happened, Jesus had made his way by boat to this part of the country, and, and this father, Jarius, had heard that Jesus was coming, and his daughter was deathly ill. And so he heard that a miracle worker was coming to his neighborhood. And how many of you fathers can relate that when you feel that you need a breakthrough in your family, you will stop at nothing to see that breakthrough happen? 
And, and so this father had heard there is a man named Jesus, and he prays for six people, and they become well. And so his daughter, who is on her literal deathbed, he looks at her and says, I'm going to go chase down and find this man, Jesus, and I'm going to stop at nothing until he gets here and prays for you. And what happens is, is that he runs into Jesus, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, I absolutely will come and pray for your daughter. And so they begin to make their way from the boat to his house. And along the way, you would think that Jesus got distracted. How many of you have felt you need God to move in your life, and you've had the thought, is he distracted? Does he not know that there is a deadline on this miracle? I used to hear when I was a kid, God is never late. As an adult, I have found he is often late. I'm just going to tell you. And Jesus, on his way to pray for this girl who was on her deathbed, ran into a woman in another famous moment in the Bible. Some of you who are Bible readers are going to be familiar. It's known as the story of the woman that had the issue of blood. And she runs and finds Jesus and just touches the hem of his garment. She didn't want to distract him. But how many of you know that Jesus is so compassionate and so loving and so beyond our ability to understand that he didn't just stop and heal this woman. He, he brought restoration to this woman. What a moment. What, what a moment for, for, for Jarius to see a miracle as he's waiting for Jesus to make it to his house to pray for his daughter. I mean, can you imagine how stirred his faith was, how, how excited he was, how, how expectant he was that his daughter that he thought was going to die is now going to be made well. But in the commotion of Jesus bringing a miracle to this woman, they got word that Jarius' daughter had died. I mean, can you imagine how torn he must have been? I mean, just the heartbreak, the, just the absolute agony of losing a child. I hope I never feel it. And at the very same time, he's face to face with Jesus, who had just done the unimaginable. And he's in a group of people that are worshiping, and he's feeling nothing but grief. And that's what happened right before verse 51. And they make it to the house. And Jesus says, none of you can come in here except mom and dad, a couple of my homies, everyone else stay out here. And it says this in verse 52. This is why he told everybody to stay outside. Because it says, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. It must have been some loud chaos. I hope none of you have experienced it, but I'm sure some of you have. The living rooms. When people are experiencing death of somebody that they love. It's loud. It's not soft. 
grief can be violent. In the wailing, in, in the mourning for this little girl who had just died was so overwhelming that Jesus says, y'all stay outside, clear the room, clear the room. Just mom and dad, a couple of my homies coming, we're going to be in here, but everyone else, you need to stay out there. And as I was spending some time thinking about this passage this week, I just started to think about how this moment really defines so many moments that I feel like I've personally felt this, this month. Of, of, of just like, man, holding some of you, rejoicing and breakthrough, and then literally within minutes getting a phone call of tragedy. It happened on Saturday. On Saturday, I'm at an event. I'm about to speak to 140 high school baseball players, share the gospel with them. In five minutes, about five to ten minutes before I'm about to take the field, I get a notification. Hey, so-and-so from our church was in a head-on collision. Their car is totaled. They're on their way to the hospital. And that's how I take the field. They, they ended up being fine, by the way. But the... But, the phrase, it's the best of times and the worst of times at the same time, it seems to be very real right now. It, it, it's just like this tension of a breakthrough and devastation of, of things moving in the right direction and things feeling like they're moving in the wrong direction. At the same time, it's just, it's happening so clearly and so violently these days. And Jesus, in the middle of feeling this tension, he looks at the people and says, you need to stop wailing. Stop crying because she's not dead, but asleep. And their response was, was the response of people who don't have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It says that they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. You see, when you look at a painful, stressful situation through the lens of shalom, through the lens of peace has come, that the dominion of peace has come to earth because Jesus has come to earth. When you live from that place that, that Jesus' birth and mount announcement just made so clear that the peace is here, when you're resting in that, when you're living from that, the response of the people that are in the same place, that aren't living from the same lens, they're going to be totally confused. They're going to laugh. And hear me say this, worry is not responsibility. That's going to set somebody free. Worry is not responsibility. Worrying about things is not being responsible for things. Worrying about things is a lack of trust. Worry is not responsibility. It's a lack of trust in who God is and what he has promised. Peace is trust. That's what it is. It's trusting God that he's in control of what's happening. It's trusting God that he is with us in the good and with us in the hard. It's, it's trusting Romans 8, 28, that all things, that God will make all things work for the good of those who love him. Some of you are carrying things that are not yours. 
You're carrying things that are not yours to carry. You're trying to figure out how everything's going to work out, and it's just stressing you out. Here's the promise. Good is going to come from it. No matter what it is, good is going to come from it. 1 Peter 5 tells us that we need to cast our anxiety on him because he cares for you. Oh, I wish I had my five people. I wish I had five people that were tired of allowing what's happening in front of them to steal from what God is doing in them. I wish I had five people that were ready to stop worrying and start trusting. I wish I had five people that were ready to stop stressing and start believing. Jesus took that little girl by the hand and he said, get up. And it says her spirit returned to her. And at once she stood up and Jesus said, hey, you know what? You need to go get her something to eat. Because when you're looking through a different lens, what looks to be far gone is just asleep. There's an area in your life that you might think is too dead. It might just be asleep. There's a relationship you might think it's too dead. It might just be asleep. I wonder if we need to put our shalom glasses on and begin to see on earth as it is in heaven. And I wonder if some areas in our life are going to start to look a little different. I wonder if a few of our relationships are going to start to look a little bit different. Maybe we need to take a fresh look at what feels like it's lost in our, in our life. We need to take a fresh look at what feels like it's too far gone because it actually might just be asleep. You see, what you thought was going to kill you is actually going to bless you. Oh, I wish I had my five people. I wish I had my five people. What, what you thought was going to kill you is actually about to bless you. What you thought was going to take you out is actually getting ready to set you up. What you thought was going to destroy you is actually about to bring healing to you because peace has come. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Even if it's at your house, stand to your feet. Peace has 